You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. I don't know if you know what a viewmaster is. Uh, you might have to be a little bit older to know that, but a viewmaster back in the day... Uh, libraries across the street and I could go across the street and they had this Viewmaster thing and so what you did is some of them were a disc they even had some of these old ones that you put a picture out there and then you slide it till you get in focus as long as you had good light well the Viewmaster a lot of times it was discs and I even remember when my kids were small that they even had a one of those that what you do is you put it up and you turn the crank and you're looking through and then these little pictures advance on this disc Pretty cool thing if you think about it back then. Now, what we're doing is much like that. What we're doing in this six-week period about uh, from scars to freedom, what we're talking about is different things that help you move from scars in your life to freedom. Now, some of you say, well, I don't have big scars. I don't have any scars. Everybody's got scars. Some of them are more significant. Some of them show a little more. But everybody has some scars that are there. And so what we're trying to do is just like, uh, just like that Viewmaster, what we're doing is over six weeks, we're giving you a, a picture of things about how you move from, from scars to freedom. But then the picture then requires you and me to then put feet to the message, right? We look at Scripture. We look at the, whatever anecdotes we throw in there to help amplify the point. But again, it gets to be that. Because if you go back and you think about uh, that first week was, was about understanding how to grasp grace. And then we talked about worship. And worship isn't just what happens on Sunday morning, but it's the preparation for that. It's what goes on through the week and how you spend time worshiping a holy God. You know, we talked about powerful prayer last week if you were here. And, and, uh, and Justin brought that message about prayer. Now, you can go back on YouTube or you can go back on Facebook and you can watch them. I encourage you to do that because I think it's important that if you really are serious about your faith and you want to be more free and more free and more free, then you start to apply these things just like the Viewmaster. You start to say, okay, I've got the picture. Now what I do is I've got to figure out how to implement that in my life. I'm going to take you back to a wonderful garden spot. It's Fort Riley, Kansas. Fort Riley, Kansas is where I had the opportunity in the hot, humid Kansas summer to be able to be there for boot camp. Wonderful experience. Really encourage it. One thing about, I found out quickly, because I'm used to kind of having an opinion, I'm used to voicing my opinion, probably real surprise to some of you, but in, in, at boot camp, one of the things I found out is it wasn't a democracy. I was pretty surprised. But what I found out at boot camp is that when it came to how things were done, I didn't get a vote. Seldom got to decide anything. We did what we were told to do. We got up when they told us to get up and get out of bed. They told us where to go. They told us what to do. There was no menus. There was no drive-throughs at boot camp. What we did was we got the food that they put in front of you. And oh, by the way, they said, and like it. Much different off than some of our normal, everyday environments that we have today. And if everything worked out okay, we were 
you know, and the platoon did well after a few weeks, you got a few hours of what they call free time that you actually got to do what you wanted to do for a few hours within limits. Now, the Army's, Army's method was, was one where we were taught to follow instructions, and I won't go into why you do that, but it's important that, they, that we were able to follow the orders that were given us. We were kind of what I would determine to be like a dignified servant because it was a worthy task, but we were really servants. They were telling us what to do basically every minute of the day. Now, being a servant is different because being a servant for Christ, we have free will. Now, we have a choice. I can be a servant for Christ, or I can choose to be a servant for myself, because that's really the options, right? You either are sold out to Christ, or you're sold out to your own selfish desires. That's just how it works. So today, what we're focused on, we're talking about how do you selfishly serve, selfishly serving. Now, our mantra that's here, uh, that's on stage that you see, it's this, it's this, love God, love others, serve both. It's kind of interesting. We went through this, and, and I'm going to, this is like one of these sidebar things that you get for nothing. But, uh, and a lot of times it blows up in my face, by the way. But when you look at, the, at that mantra, we went through a lot of iterations of complicated things trying to get to what was kind of the church's mission statement, if you will. But you know what we did is we finally arrived at something. It's plain, it's easy to remember, and it's perfectly applicable. Love God, love others, and serve both. And what I want to talk, do today, I want to draw your attention to that third thing. Serve both. Now, this is what it says in Matthew 20, verse 28, a very brief, succinct verse. It says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. Watch Miss Jessica as she brings a thought to you here on the video. I choose to serve because... Um, eh gets me out of self. I'm a recovering addict and I wake up 99.9% .9 thinking about self. So if I'm always thinking about me, I'm not able to show Christ's love to others. Um, in Matthew 20, it says that he has come not to be served, but to serve. And that's what I want to do, to serve others and to show Christ's love to me. We added the word selflessly to the serving for the purpose but we, because we thought it gave it more definition, if you will. Selflessly serving. Now, why do you do that? Because selflessly serving is when you're serving without expectation. Because many times what we do is, is in our personal self, we serve, but perhaps what we do is we serve because we're expecting to get something in return, something to get out of it. Now, a Pharisee asked the question of Jesus. He said, now, when it comes to the, these, the commandments, because, you know, of course, they were, they were Jews, they were living in the law, and he said, when it comes to those Ten Commandments, what is the most important commandment? And, of course, what he's trying, he's trying to trip him up to things that they always did. So you see in Matthew 22, I think you got a visual for me. In Matthew 22, it says this. This is the Pharisee. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, 
He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. But here's a question for you. Is it possible, is it possible to love your neighbor and not serve your neighbor? Is that a possibility? Maybe we ask it another way. If we love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, why would we not want to serve others as well as serving God? We kind of get the serving God part, but why, if, if that's the question, why wouldn't we do that? And it's interesting that in this scripture, what Jesus said, I mean, that really, if you think about it, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you'd think, well, okay, if I do that, then all the rest of the stuff falls in place, which is what Jesus was saying. But it was important enough that he went on and he said, oh, by the way, there's this second thing that's also important. And in these two things are encapsulated all the other laws. And the second thing was, was to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in college, I was a double major, political science and psychology. Now, I'm a long ways from being a counselor and a long ways from being any, any kind of a psychologist. But one of the things I do know from school and also a life of experience is that our personalities... The personalities we have, how, how we're built uniquely, it it's, has a lot to do with who we are. Because we're all made differently. Like we have, you know, you think about the DNA thing. You know, how they can just go specifically all the way down with DNA to isolate a single person. Well, we're made uniquely like that. Our life experiences also have a great deal to do with how we interact with others. We're talking about your neighbor, but we're talking about serving. Because some of us would think nothing about walking up to a group or you go into a room of strangers. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that, you know. I can kind of go into a group of strangers. I'm just one of those people and I'll find somebody to talk to something about because that's my nature. But then others, just the thought of that would absolutely scare you to death. You would not want to do that. You'd be so uncomfortable that you'd withdraw. You wouldn't want to do it. You know, for some, they're comfortable being up here on the stage. And for some of you, just the thought of being on the stage, you'd freak out. You know, that's the farthest thing from your mind that you'd be interested in doing that. So, see, serving comes in all shapes and sizes. And see, when we attach the words, when we think about the word servant, the first thing, because a lot of what we see in the schooling we've had, all those things, we think about being a servant we think about that's a negative thing, okay? You're being put down. You're being taken advantage of all the things that come with, with the thought of being a servant. But see, when we're talking about serving the Lord, when we're talking about serving Jesus Christ, it's a whole different thing. It becomes a positive thing. That's, that's what we're told to do. Because each of us, whether you want to admit it or not, each of us are called to serve, to serve in some capacity, now, I've got a few biblical characters, and I want to kind of walk through just a few of them and, and give us some biblical understanding of some of these people that were, uh, some of them were called or chosen for the role, and some of them it just seems like all of a sudden it's at their feet, which wasn't an accident to God, by the way. But it seemed like for them, it was like, oh gosh, how did I get here? One of them was Moses. Well, most of you know the story of Moses. 
But, you know, he was, he was raised uh, literally by the royalty of Egypt, taken in and raised in that environment. But yet, one day he was out, and he had come to understand that these people, the servants, the Jews, he had come to understand that those were his people. And he saw one being beaten, and of course, what he did, he killed the guy that was abusing the guy. Now, all of a sudden, he's on a run, but, but he becomes literally the, this leader of the Jewish people. And, he, and you'll, you'll remember the story where he's the one that took him out of Egypt. Now, he didn't plan that. Any more than a lot of things in your life did you plan. But God did plan it. Because he became a piece of the puzzle that started moving the people of Israel back to their own nation. I think about John the Baptist. He was a really unconventional guy. You know, the Bible tells us that he wore this weird clothing made out of fur and he ate honey and kind of stayed alive and he wandered around in the wilderness but he was called for a certain purpose and when he, when he came into his own he he realized that what he was called to do his job and scripture tells us this his job was to prepare the way for the messiah the messiah that was coming and not to draw attention to himself for some of you uh, you also remember kind of the the story in the book of Ruth and Naomi's the mother-in-law had a daughter-in-law, Ruth, and then another daughter-in-law. Now, Naomi, husband, passed away. And then Ruth's husband passed away. The other daughter-in-law, they lost, all of them lost their husbands. And so they decided what they were going to do is she was going to, Naomi was going to go back to her homeland because at least she had some covering, some help, some family. And so she, so she decides to go back. This is a great line, I think, that, that uh, Ruth told Naomi. She said this, your people will be my people, telling her mother-in-law. Because her mother-in-law wanted her to go back to her own people, which was another foreign land. She said, your people, Naomi, will be my people. Your God will be my God, and where you go, I will go. Now, you think about that, and she was, she was serving. She was going to help her mother-in-law. Uh, she was going to resist going back to family, where she had probably had more support, but she was still going to be a servant. She was a server mother-in-law. But in the bigger picture, sometimes we miss the bigger picture, even in our lives. But in the bigger picture, had that not happened, had Naomi not gone back, had Ruth not gone back with her to support her, then they actually were in the line that the great-grandson was King David. And then on down the line is there's this person we discuss a lot named Jesus. So all of that was that thread that kept that ancestry in place. Another one was Stephen, if you think about Stephen. We don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about his siblings, don't know anything about his family, don't know anything about where he came from. But what we do know that he was a powerful witness for God. He, he spoke about Jesus, and he, he was well-versed in the situations, and he would take on the learned people of the day, and he would discuss with them and tell them, no, this is the picture of Messiah. This is who the Messiah is. The Messiah has come. And then, of course, lo and behold, he's arrested on charges of blasphemy, if you know the story, he was stoned to death, and there was this guy who happened to be there giving his okay, who then, they laid, they laid, it says, Scripture said they laid the cloaks at his feet as they stoned Stephen to death. A guy named Saul. Saul, later in Greek, became Paul. And what we know about Paul then is Paul, what he did is he, he was from a cultured life. He was educated. I mean, he spoke multiple languages. He knew how things worked. Probably his family had wealth. 
But when he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus literally said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He changed and from that day on he became a servant. And what he did was his, he realized that his role was to be a servant, to do with whatever he could do with, a lot of days doing without. And his job was to be a church planner, to grow up leaders, to, to profess the name of Jesus in the synagogues because he was accepted. Now, Paul referred himself to himself. This is a good, this is a good line. I, this, you know, how even when you're teaching this stuff, you kind of go, oh, that's kind of cool. So Paul became a bondservant. That's what he called himself. He said, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And so if you think about what a bondservant is, a bondservant is somebody who's a servant, but they're given their freedom. But instead of accepting that and going about their way, they, they, they've been given their freedom, but they choose to stay a servant of the person. And that's what Paul did. He said, I'm a bondservant. He said, I'm free. I could do other things. But I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it gladly. I'm going to do it willingly. I'm going to do it with my whole heart. And I'm going to do it permanently, which he did in life. Now, that's a short list of people that you can think of that, or I thought of, that were servants. You're probably sitting here thinking, well, I, Tom, I could have given you two or three more pretty quickly. And then some of you would say, you know, there are people since that day, maybe even now or not too long ago, that you could say, wow, I know those people. They are literally a servant for Christ. Now, sidebar, I get to do those. So... I'm a kid, I'm 12 or 13 years old, and a friend and I were given a go-kart frame. You know what I mean, four wheels, little engine. But it didn't have any of that stuff on it, it was just literally the parts you set in the frame. And so we had this wonderful idea of what we would do, is we would put this go-kart together, and boy, we'd have a great time. So we didn't have any money, but there was a lawnmower shop there in town, and what we would do is, We'd go by the lawnmower shop. These old guys, they had stuff on a scrap pile. We'd say, hey, I'm looking for some wheels. I'm looking for a sprocket. I'm looking for a chain. I need an engine. And they would give us this stuff out of the scrap pile. So we get this thing put together, and believe it or not, there was a day that it actually ran. We, we were the most surprised people in town. And so, we, you know, my friend and I, so we, we, it's this partnership thing, you know. And so we get this thing running. But what started to happen is I realized that I'd get it running, and he would ride it, and it would break. And then I would get it running, and he would ride it, and it would break. And he, I'd get it running, you know, the story, right? So I'm thinking, okay, this is crazy. I'd go to my mom once in a while because she was a wise woman. Her name was Eula, and I went to my mom, and I was, I, I, that's who I'd go to to whine to about things weren't fair and, you know, how you do. So I went to my mom, and I whined about things, and they weren't fair. And she said, well, she said, let me tell you this. She said, in life, what's going to happen is you're going to have people who ride the wagon, and you're going to have people who pull the wagon. And then she kind of in 12 or 13-year-old uh, intellect, she explained to me, you know, what that meant. And I thought, hmm, go-kart. Because what was happening is I was doing all the pulling, and the other guy was doing all the riding. I was doing the work, he was getting the enjoyment, and I thought, okay, this is crazy. So you know what I did? I sold him my half of the go-kart. Got rid of it. One of my early lessons in partnerships, by the way. But here's the thing. 
in, in the Christian community or in life, you could say even in your workplace, what's going to happen is you're going to run into people who are wagon riders, okay? And you're going to run into people who are the ones pulling the wagon. Well, see, what ser selflessly serving has to say about it is, guess what? If you're a practicing Christian, you are called to be a wagon puller, not a wagon rider. Let's hear what Whitney Patterson has to say to us. I choose to serve because I believe that all Christians are called to serve. I know that the Lord has equipped all of us uniquely to serve in different areas. Um, serving to me means coming in on a Sunday morning and greeting each other or helping someone find a seat or the people that are in the praise and worship team. Um, we're all gifted individually and uniquely. I think it's important for all of us to be in prayer with the Lord, asking Him to show us where we can serve in our local church. Um, it's easy to come in on Sunday mornings and just get, get, get from the sermon or the worship or um, others coming up to greet us. But if we change our mindset to how can I serve my church, um, it, it's, it can be really meaningful for all of us. And if we're all in there serving each other, then we are showing Christ's love to one another. And that is what we are called to do. I wanted to highlight just a few things that go on here in the area of servants, and I'll talk a little bit about outside the walls. But um, I just kind of wrote down, this is all out of my brain, okay? And if I miss somebody, I'm really sorry. I'm going to move quickly. But, you know, one of the, uh, the areas of volunteering and serving we have is a cleaning crew. That's a crew you don't hear much from, you don't see. But I can guarantee you if they weren't doing their job, you'd notice it when you showed up on Sunday morning. They're, uh, you know, they're offering that they're giving the offering of service to the Lord when they come and do that each week. In our children and our youth and our teachers, and, you know, I just think about, you know, these are, the, these are the people that are charged with delivering God's Word in language that these young ones can understand. They're charged with modeling behavior. Because guess what? The same people that are in there on Sunday morning, if they see on the street, they need to be those same people. So they're charged with the heavy responsibility of modeling the behavior, not just teaching about the behavior, and then charged with having lots of patience. If you worked in the back, you know that patience is a wonderful virtue for our Sunday school teachers and our youth leaders. Then we have ushers that come early, and they do, they're, again, they're quietly, they're assisting, they're helping, they're doing what they need to, they're greeting at the door. I think about um, our, our security people. I have people ask me once in a while, who do we have security? Well, I can tell you that very inconspicuously and, and, and very quietly, you have security. But they, they're here every week. They're doing that very modestly, no fanfare. I think about uh, the praise team. You know, these are people that had skills they've developed over years, but they still have to spend time every week in preparation and under John Treacy's leadership to bring us that, that, that quality uh, of praise that we do on in the morning as well as the people that work in our tech booth doing the same thing I think about our mission team you know they do some things that you see inside but I would guarantee you that most of you would have no idea of the volume of stuff that moves through this building that moves out into our community and the surrounding communities and a great work that they do I think about our small group leaders they don't just show up they're doing prep some of them are also the host home, but again, you have people doing servants with the idea of trying to be, uh, to offer discipleship. 
I think about our uh, second Sunday social and our cooking crew and just the shopping that goes into it, the preparation, being here early to do that and make sure that what they do is safe and pleasing. I think about uh, the platform teachers. You know, there's, there's four of us currently, and so what we do is to, you know, you might think, okay, well, that's an easy thing, but and I'm not saying this for any other reason to help you understand, I would say that we probably spend 8 to 10 hours at a minimum in preparation for this 25 or 30 minutes. And it takes that kind of commitment as a servant to do those things. Also, I was thinking about the free library. Some of you take advantage of it. It's a wonderful resource that's kept up with, and it's an opportunity. There's, there's great books over there for kids, you know, to adults, all kinds of teaching and testimony books. I think, too, about personal evangelism and testimony. Because when we talk about serving, it doesn't just happen inside of these four walls here in Tawnytown. When we go out on 412, it doesn't just stop. Because part of our serving is being willing to share our testimony and to evangelize and help people. I don't know, you know, I, 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 bet, I bet there's not one of you that goes through a week if you, if you get out of your house that doesn't run into somebody whose life's a mess. And you've been given an opportunity then to minister in some way to that person. I think about the people that do meal train and the people that, that uh, do hospital visits and, and those of you that, that, no, that don't just say that you'll pray, but do pray earnestly for the needs of the people that we have here. Now, I'm sure I've left out some, but that's some of the opportunities. That's some of the service that goes on, and that, that is a, as Scripture says, that is a sweet fragrance to our Lord. And there's probably places, I, there's places that, that of service that we don't even have a formal structure for that need to be done, and people that God might raise up. It's just like Moses, he had no idea, okay, I'm going to lead these people on this cross-country tour for 40 years. You know, but the reality is, we, there, you know, the, God will raise up people who want to serve, who want to put feet to his word. But you know, having said all that, and I've been talking about things and tasks and jobs, but you know, it, it isn't, the important thing isn't the what we do. Okay? Let me say it again. The important thing isn't the what we do. The important thing is, is why. Why do we do it? I think about the parent line, probably a few of you have used it. I've heard it and used it. But one of the things is, is comes to a parent oftentimes is, well, why do I need to do that? And as a parent, you say, because I told you to. Pretty sharp, pretty easy, but that's really what it gets down to sometimes. Why do you do it? Because I told you. But why do we serve? Because the Bible tells me so. That's where it comes. That's just like Jessica talking about Matthew 20. It's, it's, the Bible tells us that we're to be servants. We ask ourselves too, I said, well, you know, is, is what if you serve out obligation? What if you, you just, you're obligated to do it, but, you know, gosh, uh, I'm not all wound up about it. I'm not, I'm not happy doing it. I, it's kind of a sacrifice of my time, and I had something more fun I could do. Is that a good thing or a bad thing when we think about serving out of obligation? Well, one of the things that we do know is that uh, sometimes there's stuff to do just because there's stuff to do. And when it comes to service, 
it isn't all about glamour and glitz. It's not, it's not about me and my services. I come up here and I talk to you on Sunday morning every once in a while. But my service should be things too that are other things that I can do for the Lord. And they may not be the kind of things that draw attention, but it may be that it's, it's moving chairs or, or doing prep or helping someplace that we can help. Just doing the stuff that needs to be done. You might ask yourself, why, why, would, I, why would I want to serve? Why would I want to do this selfishly or this selflessly serving? Because really it does burn time. You have to come early. Sometimes you have to stay late. They want you to give up a Saturday to go help somebody with their patio, whatever those things are. You know, why, you know, why do I want to do that? Because it gets in the way of all my other normal activities. And why should I do something for somebody who really can't do anything for me? Because a lot of times service is like that. Service is doing something for somebody that they can't do for themselves. They can't help me in return. And you know, that, and that's a natural question, by the way. Sometimes we may not say it out loud, but we think, okay, if I'm serving my neighbor, I don't get anything back for that. It's just, all, it's just like all one-way street. I just give and give and give, but I never get anything back from that. They don't seem to appreciate my effort. And you know what's, what's even crazier sometimes in our minds is sometimes they don't only don't appreciate your effort, but they even are critical of your effort. You do something that you think is a, is a kind act, it's something you think God has, has asked you to do, and then you're criticized for doing it. But remember, what we're trying to do is we're trying to move from moving from scars to freedom. See, we're working each day to be free in Christ. Each day. Each day we're working to be free in Christ. Jessica said that, you know, when she rolls out, the first thing our thoughts were was on her, and then it has to shift pretty quick and say, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, it's about him is what it's about. But we're working each day to make Christ more and more significant in our lives, to be better servants, and then reciprocally, we're also working every day that those scars that we carry, those disappointments, those hurts, that pain, whatever those things are, maybe it's the sin of omission where you should have done stuff you didn't do. But each day what we're trying to do is, is by gaining that freedom, we're trying to get less and less significant scars. Then it'll all go away because what we know is, is that, that sometimes consequences follow stuff. And all, all the consequences of things don't always go away. But they can be less and less hurtful. They can be less and less scarring on us in our life. So one of the questions you ask yourself was, well, how, do I, how do I balance freedom on the one hand and being a servant over here? They seem like those should be polar opposites. Well, one of the ways we do it is we remember that Jesus is our model. And it's just a good thing. You know, what's, what was the deal... Uh, W.J., something or other, what would Jesus do? You know, that's really the kind of the question we're asking ourselves. Is Jesus a model? And so when we start talking about freedom and servanthood, we start looking at who Jesus was and how he did things and how he treated people and how he cared and how he prayed. Another thing is we try to figure out how to balance that freedom and being a servant 
is, is that because the Bible tells me so. If you, if you believe Scripture, if you believe it's the inerrant Word in God, it's, we're told to be servants very, very plainly. It's what it tells us to do. Another reason that we, that we err toward this freedom and try to minimize those scars is it feels good. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good about the things we do. Because you, you, the, you, when, you, when we're doing something, what it can do is it, can, it brings you a sense of value, a sense of worth. And you feel like, okay, this is something good I did. I remember as a kid going home from church one day, as, and we lived a block from there, and we're walking back home. And so we had Sunday school in the morning, had church after that. Then they had this organized lunch after that. Then they had some missionary guy in after that. And then we had evening church. I'd been there like from way, uh, basically daylight to way past dark. I don't know what I am, nine or ten years old. And I remember saying, well, I'm really tired, but I feel good. Weird. Because it does bring value to our life. And even though sometimes these things are frustrating, it does remind us that what we're called to do as servants and then I'm reminded, too, of, of often about Rick Warren's statement in the Purpose Driven Life book where he says, it's not about me. And that's another reason we serve. It isn't about us, but it is about him. There are a lot of things that I, that I do that, frankly, I just admit to myself once in a while, that was a waste of time. Every once in a while, Karen and I will watch a movie, and I'll say, well, that's two hours we'll never get back. But I do a lot of uh, dumb, wasteful stuff with my time. And we need some of that because some of it just has got to relax our brain and go somewhere else mentally for a while. But see, if you're self, selflessly serving, that's a mouthful, if you're selflessly serving the Lord, that is never a waste of time. That'll be time well spent. So serving... A couple more things to, to think about as I close. But serving, there's some other benefits, let's call them. And one of those is it may have eternal consequences for the person you serve. Now, you may not even know it, but you may be, you may be planting seeds with somebody. They may see something. You know, for years we had the Grace House over here, and we had a lot of families in and out of that. And there's some of those we might say, well, they were pretty successful, and some of them maybe not so much. But, but in every situation, we had the opportunity to plant seeds in their lives and see the opportunity for them to understand a, a closer relationship with Christ. So think about the fact that in service, oftentimes there are eternal uh, consequences or decisions that will be made, maybe not in front of you, by the fact of what you did. The other part is that we're in serving, we're living out our faith. Because really, again, this, this, this is what we said our mantra is. We love God. Check. We love others. We're sure supposed to. And then we're supposed to serve both. So we're living out our faith when we're serving. And then the other thing, which is maybe the hardest thing, is serving without the expectation of getting paid back. And you, I don't care if it's a friend, a neighbor, a family... But sometimes it's just hard because you, you expect something to happen because you're going to do this good thing, let's say. And then, and then we, we, we have that 
expectation. I won't go into the whole story, but I, I had a time in my life that became a great teaching moment, and, and I had created a fence to a person. I didn't even understand I did it, but I'd offended them. Kind of my habit. And then I went to apologize, but I didn't really go to apologize. I really went to so we could do this 50-50 thing. Oh, hey, you know, I had a bad day, you had a bad day. Hey, let's forget it and go on about our life. Well, that wasn't how it worked out. I went to apologize with just a halfway apology, and I got 100% denial. <laughs> and uh, got called everything, but, you know. But the reality is, when I backed off from that, and I said, well, what do you learn from that, Tom? Do you learn anything from that lesson? And what I learned was, I learned that I didn't have a pure heart going to do that. And so part of serving is to realize that my service has to do with my obligation to my faith and to my Savior. It doesn't have to do with whether or not they're thankful that I did it for them. So if you're here today and you're selflessly serving, my sincere thanks to you for doing that. If you're not selfishly serving, then maybe think about starting that today. Just kind of do a little survey of your life and say, you know what? I'm getting some input, but do I have output? Am I, am I serving somewhere? And I don't mean to say that it's in the confines of this 20,000 square feet. I'm saying, is there, is, are you serving somewhere in your life, I'm talking about with your faith, that makes a difference in people's lives? That's what selfishly serving is. And not expecting that they can pay you back for it. Scripture tells us, and I'll leave you with this thought, that when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. When the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So if you're looking for a starting place, that's where you start. The Son sets you free. If, you, if that hasn't happened, consider making that move. Because if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the lesson that you've asked me to deliver today. Father, uh, I just think about the fact that, that all of us have stuff in our life. We've moved through certain stuff in our life. And Lord, I just ask you that, that we concentrate on how do we grasp grace? How do, how do I get a fresh view with fresh eyes about worship? How do I use powerful prayer in my life? you know, that's just so meaningful and has, can have such impact for your kingdom. And then, Lord, I want to be a selfless servant. I want to do that. And I just pray, Lord, that as, as we consider what we're talking about today, these are things now that we make a conscious decision. I either put my feet to them or I don't. I become a wagon puller, I become a wagon rider. But, Lord, you've asked us to be wagon pullers. Why do we do it? We do it to advance your kingdom pray all these things in your son Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.